This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. It's a show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. Hey, today we will speak with speaker, author, and peace warrior. Love that. Megan O'Nan about her many projects and her quest to build peace one person at a time. We'll also chat with the latest headlines of the weekend roundup and get your feedback to our question today. Do you believe that people are good? You to join a conversation today, give us a call at 877 MPB Ring. That's 877 672 7464. Or email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back right after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is now your talking. Uh, happy Monday. Hope you're having a good day. I'm kind of talked out. I tell you what, it's Monday. I know Michelle's talked out because she was on the radio all weekend. Just tracking Nate. You can't even talk. You're, yeah, you're I am tapped out. I know it. You're just tapped out. I tell you what, um, glad everybody's doing well. We've had a really tough weekend around the state, but everything's going pretty good now. And of course, we have a great show ahead of us. And we're going to have speaker, author, and peace warrior. I love that phrase, peace warrior. That's awesome. Megan O'Nan is here, and she's going to be talking about some of her projects and her quest to build peace one person at a time. Uh, we'll see what she can do with Michelle. We're a little bit worried about that because <laughs> Michelle seems a little grumpy today. Oh, I'm never grumpy. I'm just teasing. So that's that's why I was joking. Cause you I all- know. But, you know, for those who don't know me, they might believe you. And well, of course. Grumpy. Okay, I believe everything I hear on the radio, <laughs> oh. especially MPB, because this is quality radio. It really is. Only on MPB Think Radio. <laughs> uh, definitely on that. Hey, last night we were watching a movie, which is kind of good. And everybody's thinking, well, yeah, so was I. Watch the movie Jerry Maguire. Did you ever see Jerry Maguire? I did. I, and actually, uh, Yeah, like 2,000 years ago. Yeah, I was young. And was Tom younger. Cruise has not changed. Now, Hell Renee yeah. Zellweger, whatever, she has totally changed. She, she looks has. totally different, she plastic does. surgery. But Tom looks still the same. Cuba, it was Cuba Gooding Jr. won his Oscar on that one. Fantastic movie, Kim and Crow. We were watching it. Um, it, it started about every famous person from the 90s. You know, it's a story about a sports agent who, after suffering a mild breakdown, comes up with a new philosophy of doing business. In his middle-of-the-night 24-page mission statement, he basically said this, less clients, less, you know, less money, and more personal attention. Of course, you know, being the 90s and being professional sports, he was fired. And he lost all of his clients except for one, which is Cardinals receiver Rod Tidwell. And that was Cuba Gooden Jr. in his Oscar-winning performance. Anyway, if you want to know about the details, go ahead and rent it. It's worth, worth your time. It features sharp writing, good acting, a strong soundtrack, and a cool 1990 technology, like the huge cell phone that you call an airstrike with, a clunky air, um, laptop, and a trip to a copy shop to hand out his mission statement instead of just emailing it. You also find out that a human head weighs eight pounds. Yeah. But uh, there was one scene that really jumped out at me, and it was when Jerry Maguire confronted Tidwell about why he was not more successful. 
And here's what he had to say. I'm going to read exactly what, what Tom Cruise said to Cuba Gooding Jr. He said, all right, I'll tell you why you don't have your $10 million. Right now, you are a paycheck player. You play with your head, not your heart. In your personal life, heart. But when you get on the field, it's all about what you didn't get. Who's to blame? Who won through the who who wouldn't throw the right pass? Who's got the contact contract you don't have? Who's not giving you love? You know what? That's not what inspires people. This is not what inspires people. Just shut up, play the game, play from your heart, and you know what? It'll show you the quan. Now quan is what he referred to as love. So basically the attention that he needs. And to tell you the truth, that's the truth. And if you can't handle it, it's just a question between friends, you know. Oh, and by the way, when they call you shrimp, I'm the one who defends you. Man, I tell you what, that scene, I would, I would, probably would have posted it. There's a little profanity in it. We didn't want to do that because, you know, we know there's kids listening. This is a family show. But it hit me like a lightning bolt from the sky. I mean, how many times have we done a job for money or worried about someone else is getting more than we are and it's not fair? Uh, we focus on how unfair something is or how we don't want to be working hard, but we don't lead, lead with our heart. We are sullen unwilling to try new things or even uncooperative. Are we willing to change? No, a lot of times we're not. And, and I mean, I'm going to post a link. I would have, like I said, I would have posted a link on my Facebook page or whatever. It's, it's a little rough, but I tell you what, YouTube it, find it. Just Jerry Maguire and heart. Those are the three words you have to type in. And honestly, it's worth seeking it out. You know, his mentor in the movie was an old guy named Dickie Fox. And he said this, if it's, th- if this, and he points to his head is empty. I mean, to his heart is empty. This and he points to his head doesn't matter. I mean, and I agree. Yeah, everything and it ties into um, our guest today that we have on the show. But again, and also to what happened on the coast. True, this weekend. But everything you do, and we talked about this with uh, Jeff McManus as well, doing things that you love, right? And it doesn't feel like a job. It feels like a um, you come to work and you're doing your pet. You you have a passion for it, and not to say that everybody is lucky enough to come to work and they really enjoy their you know what they're doing. But we are lucky enough to come to work MPB every day and enjoy. Well, and have a you passion. every day. I only get to do it <laughs> once a week. Mac McAnally said that on the show too. He said, you know, when he was like a teenager, he was working on Highway 25 up toward Belmont, and he was paving the road. It was middle of July. It was hot. It was miserable. And he said, you know, he figured out pretty quickly that if he did a really good job at that job, that he would get a job that he'd love later exactly. on. So, I mean, it's just all about attitude. It is. And, and, you know, I was watching over the weekend. Two things really jumped out at me about Nate. Number one, uh, it was not Katrina. Nobody said it was going to be Katrina, but it was in its own way a killer. I mean, Nate hit the coast head on. It wasn't a simple little, you know, tropical storm or just a little breeze. It dumped a lot of storm surge onto Biloxi and onto Ocean Springs and, you know, into an areas that had been washed away by Hurricane Katrina. It was a tough storm. And before that water could even get away, there were utility crews out there working. I mean, the the speed that they got the power back on was incredible. Mm -hmm. And, And MDOT. MDOT, getting Highway 90 opened up as fast as they did, because there was a lot of sand and debris and everything mm-hmm. else from that water. I don't know if you saw the videos. A lot of the casinos. I was watching had, it all night. I, I didn't well, go. I here. left here at 9, and okay. I went home, and I did not go to sleep until the next morning because I couldn't stop watching it. But what I want to say uh, to attest to that is the preparation they had. Um, Biloxi, the whole coast, um, they prepared. Well, yeah. They, they were prepared for it. That's why the um, evacuations that we announced um, from 1 o'clock to 
Some of them started at four. Some started at seven. But the evacuations and the the way the cities prepared uh, the curfews, the uh, closing of the casinos at five rather than seven, all those things played a uh, impact on the safety of the city. And it worked. It was wonderful. Well, you obviously fight the last battle. And, of course, people still have a fresh memory of Katrina. But they're cruising the coast down there. They had a ton of <laughs> yes, cars and visitors down there, so they mm-hmm. had to deal with that. But I tell you what paid off was the change in, in building codes. Yes, zoning. And zoning and mm-hmm. some of the building codes and things that people really fussed about after Katrina. But um, when you see business owners saying, yeah, we had a little bit of roof damage instead of them sitting on a pile of rubble right. that used to be there. Right. Because they're jacked up. The restaurants are now up in the sky. But, you know, that is... <sighs> I love to, you know, we say policies come out of things that happen, but when Katrina happened, they learned from it and they built from it and look what happened. So I love to see that progression and that growth of the coastal cities of Mississippi that learned from Katrina. Of course, you had had six feet of storm surge as opposed to 30. I mean, there was a little bit of difference on that, but still, like I said, um, you know, because of the changes that were made 15, 17 years ago, that has made all the difference in the world. Well, did you see the golden nuggets? Um, yes, I, uh, I spoke down bottom. there. Yeah, I spoke down there. <laughs> I didn't see its bottom. I saw its first floor. <laughs> the bottom floor. Um, the water was what? Uh, half the door. Half of yeah. the door was it, covered with water in the bottom floor. Have you ever been to the, been to it before? I've it's never right been there, to right that before, one. It's right there no. before you get to the bridge. Okay. okay, so it's right as you go into the bridge into Ocean Springs. So it, it is pretty low there. And I, I spoke down there not long ago. And you park in the parking garage. And you walk out to the marina, which is right there at the lip of the parking garage, and literally two feet, you know, and the water has come up two feet before right. it starts to flood. So I'm not real shocked that it did flood. But, yeah, and, and the same thing happened at Hard Rock, too, the casinos. Yeah, Hard they Rock said thing. that. But no one was th- was there except the CNN reporter. <laughs> yeah. But it was wonderful that, like you said, people were gone. You didn't have anyone in there. No one because you could have gotten swept out into sea. I mean, easily. Well, they had one reporter who's actually standing out in the middle of the parking garage with the I water saw going it. past. I, I saw like, it. <laughs> that doesn't really strike me as being a genius uh, on that. Now, Mike Seidel was here from the Weather Channel. Mm-hmm. He was our guy. And I did a cartoon where I had the cruising on the coast, all the cars, and one of the cars was Jim Cantore and Mike Seidel. <laughs> and you're like, uh-oh. You know, it's never a good sign. You don't want to see them pop up in your rearview mirror because they're like the angels of death. They're going to show up <laughs> no. where something bad's going to happen. I did the cartoon. I put it out. Seidel got in touch with me. And he said he loved the cartoon. He retweeted it out, and I'm giving him the original Okay, because he asked for the the original. I said, hey, and he's going to frame it and put it up in his office, so he's pretty excited about that. that's wonderful. And then Jim Cantori sent it out also. So I was like, hey, wow, awesome. So I was like, that was was my 15 seconds of fame. Ah, 15, really. (laughs) So it was pretty darn cool. But the good news is, and I was following a lot, you know, we didn't have social media with Katrina. No. So this was totally we, different. It wasn't this prominent. Um, what, how many years no, ago? No, that was 2000, 2005. Five, I mean, Twitter didn't come yeah, around Twitter 2008. And then Instagram and Facebook and all that. Facebook was... Very much in its infancy, and we didn't really... Right. I mean, college, the cool college kids may have had it at that point, but we didn't. <laughs> nobody nobody over 25 knew <laughs> You know, mom and dad got it. They corrupted it, you know, that sort of thing. But no, we didn't have that, so we didn't know what was yeah. going on. And, and I was sitting there watching, you know, a friend of mine, Tim Esbill, who's a photographer down on the coast... You know, he's kind of giving me live updates of what's going on down Man. there. So, so when I wasn't listening to you on the radio, <laughs> your sultry voice. Oh, Lord. Well, that's another story. Yes, definitely on that. <laughs> that was challenging. But like I said, it, it got better later on. The uh, first couple of breaks, um, I was just trying to, you know, get comfortable and reading everything. But it worked out. And again, the most important thing was getting the information to well, that and, area. You know, I tell you what, and I will say this, and I'm not just saying it because I'm sitting in an MPB microphone. <laughs> Uh, if it wasn't for MPB during Katrina, 
I don't think anybody would have known what was going on. The, the, the yeah. public service that this network serves the state of Mississippi is incredible. And once again, you did a great job over the weekend. And, and you know, the good news was, of course, the and I would say good news, and I hate to say this because you always feel a little bit guilty. The storm didn't come right up the gut of Mississippi right. this time. It kind of right. took a hard right and it went did. toward Alabama. I do want to say, point out that um, we had a team of people here. Um, we had our news department, Kendra Wright, Ezra Wall, um, Karen Brown, um, um, Kevin. We... I mean, we had a team of people here all day from one to nine and from nine to five and five to 12, I believe, that uh, worked nonstop to get the information out to our listeners. So it was a team effort. And we, you know, we that's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do. So, you yeah. know, we, it wasn't it didn't feel like work. It felt like our duty. Well, it was a public service mm-hmm. and, and, and a mighty fine one as well. Mm-hmm. Speaking of public service, this Friday, I get to judge the Pretty Cow Contest. Pretty Cow now wait, I have a question. What makes a cow pretty? What are you looking for? What are your criteria for a pretty cow? This had nothing to do with my early <laughs> dating experiences, of course, before I met my beautiful wife. Pretty cow contest is um, the kids dress the cows up in costumes. Oh, okay. And then they parade, and which and it's on a milk theme because it's sponsored by milk, of course, the dairy. And a lot of them are Jersey cows, and there are a few Holsteins occasionally, but most of them are Jerseys. And it's usually a 1,500-pound, really annoyed cow that he's in a costume <laughs> and a just absolutely adorable 50-pound kid who could get drugged to Canton at any moment, you know, from the fairgrounds. And they walk around there, and I tell you what, some of the coolest costumes. So now, one year there was a kid that, like, you know, taped newsprint all of newspapers all over the cow i kind of didn't really rank him very high but a lot of them are very ornate and very detailed costumes which kind of makes me think maybe mom and dad help a little bit but i'm not going to say that out loud um (laughs) but that said it is so darn cute it is so sweet it'll rot your teeth i mean it's so you're going to post pictures correct of course i'll post please i want to see this but you know what the hardest part is Mm -hmm. you got 10 kids in front of you and probably eight of them are fantastic and right. probably could win any one of them. I and mean, you got to pick a winner out of that. And are you the only judge or how oh, many judges? Oh, no, 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 no. There's a couple others. Okay. Um, yeah, a couple other judges that have helped, you know, done. We've all done this throughout the years. I think mm-hmm. I've done this, oh, 17 years, something like that. And this, this is the highlight of your career. I mean, oh, this is it. You know what? You're, <laughs> you're joking. It is actually, I have on my resume. I was Ma- not joking. No, it's on my resume. It says Marshall Ramsey has my address. It has pretty cow contest judge, and then underneath it, two-time Pulitzer finalist. Okay, right. Now, right I, and I do that, and I, and I tell you why I do that, because, it, number one, it catches people's attention, and mm-hmm. they think I'm insane, but it also shows me that that is more important to me than the Pulitzer stuff. Because you know what? That's, that's community. Those are kids, and so that's pretty neat. <laughs> it so, is. And I tell you what, um, you know, these days I think we're all kind of convinced that maybe people aren't so nice. Well, you know what? I disagree, and our next guest definitely will disagree. We're going to welcome Megan Onan to the show. And, you know, if you want to hear our thoughts of the day, do you believe that people are good? You can answer that question today, not thoughts of the day, question of the day. You can give us a call at 877-672-7464, or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. I hope you're, um, if you're on the coast, I hope you're cleaning up and survive, you survived the storm well, and I'm glad you're doing okay. If you're in the rest of the state, I hope you're enjoying summertime, which has reappeared in the middle of October. Thanks, Nate. Thanks for nothing. Thanks for pumping up pure moisture. Hey, look, our guest today communicates a quiet strength. I like that. She definitely does. It comes from her experiences as being rejected as a gay woman. She will talk about her quest to help other people understand real courage. Megan, welcome to the show. And you and I were talking about um, probably the worst exercise in the history of man, except for maybe burpees, is suicides. Yes. Yes. And if anybody doesn't know what suicides is, that's a basketball thing, right? Everyone should know what a suicide is. Yeah, everybody should know. I mean, just the the exercise suicide, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, so so explain this to us uh, real quick. And so and then how I how you still like anything after having to do, play basketball and do suicides is beyond me. That's a good point. Yeah. It, it definitely gave me that quiet strength. It gave you that quiet strength. <laughs> so, you, so you run to one line and then you got run back. Yeah, you run to the free throw line, you run back to the baseline, you run to half court, back to the baseline, the other free throw line, back to the baseline, and then to the other baseline, back to the baseline in 30 seconds. 30 and seconds. And if you don't get it that time, you have to do it again. You have to do it again. Right. So at that point, you risk seeing your lunch. That's right. Yeah. Come back. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway... <laughs> Sorry, we got off into a rabbit hole on that one. And thanks for coming on the show and spending some time. You're straight down from Starkville. Yes. Yeah, you drove in today. Beautiful drive. I did. It was actually really pretty. How I many deer did you see? Bad weather, huh? How many deer did you see? I saw no deer, but it was a beautiful sunrise. And the landscape of Mississippi on the way down here is so beautiful. Yeah, around Noxipater. That, so those beautiful. hills right through there is mm-hmm. like super pretty. Yeah. Gorgeous as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am from Starkville yes. originally. Okay, so that's home. Yeah, that okay. is home. My family's there. My parents, my brothers, my nieces, my nephew, um, my wife, her mom, we're all there. Dang. Yeah. That's pretty convenient for Thanksgiving. It makes it a lot easier, that's yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, so um, I grew up in Starkville, went to Starkville High School. Yeah. And played sports growing up, basketball, softball. Then I went on to Mississippi State University. I played basketball and softball there. Went to graduate school at Mississippi State, and then... Um, what did you get your degree on? Uh, my undergrad was in psychology, ah. and then my graduate degree is in counseling. So on, she's been writing down stuff this whole time. Michelle's not listening, but that's that explains it all. Yeah. You're trying to figure me out. <laughs> I've already got you figured out, Marshall. And that's, it doesn't take much. It's a pretty thin book, to be honest with you on that. But you played the, played basketball. I, I know you were pretty excited about this last basketball season. Oh, my gosh. Did you see the UConn game? I did. Oh, my goodness. You know, I went to Tennessee. So, I mean, when it was basketball, Tennessee was a pretty big thing, too. And UConn Absolutely. became kind of a nemesis toward the end. And so it's always good to see UConn get beat. I know. It was so wonderful. Yeah. What position did you play? I played guard. Excellent. So yep. you ran the show. Were you point guard? I did some point guard. But once I got – I did in, in high school, I did point guard. And then when I got to college, I did more guard. Yeah. So I was a little bit too slow to be a point guard in college. So what were what were your career ambitions, doing the psychology and the counseling and everything like I that? I wasn't sure. I yeah. didn't know what I wanted. I knew I wanted to write. I knew I wanted to publish books. But I didn't know beyond that really what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so once I finished my counseling degree, I, I, I decided to go on and get another master's degree because I didn't know what I wanted. Right. So I went to Florida State and got a uh, master's in education. 
Okay. So you could teach. You had that option. Right. But I specialized in working with people with disabilities. Okay. Specifically people with blindness or low vision. Oh, wow. So I ended up working at the Miami Lighthouse for the Blind Mm -hmm. for a while and didn't like the city life so much. So I moved to Colorado, worked for the state of Colorado for a while and quit my last regular job in 2008 when my first book was published and have been pretty much doing my own thing for for that amount of time now. So at that point, when did you decide to come back home? Came back in 2010. Okay. So the book had been out and it did pretty well, obviously. And you said, well, you know what? I can actually eat by yeah. doing this, which is important for authors. Well, it, well for anyone, actually, actually, I don't think I ate very well for a while. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and and when, when Claire and I, my wife, moved, she I met her in Colorado. Okay. When we moved to Mississippi in 2010, we had $100 in our pocket. Okay. Let, let, let's kind of go back to that conversation. <laughs> okay. We live in Colorado. Let's move to Mississippi. And she's like, yeah. Okay. Well, she's actually very adventurous, and yeah. she was excited about. Oh, she, okay. she was excited to learn a new culture. Yeah. And uh, she's moved around a lot. She's from Africa. She's lived in Israel for a long period of time, and so she was excited to to come and learn something completely different than she's ever been around. I wish she'd have tagged along. She sounds pretty cool. She had to work. Oh, that's right. It's Columbus Day. What? I know it. Okay, because <laughs> yeah. everybody in my family is at home right now. Yeah. And so I had to leave this morning while they're still asleep. I just felt like having an air horn just setting it off, just waking everybody up as I left, going, if I have to work, you have to get up. But that wouldn't have gone on real well. Yeah. The book, t- tell us about the first book. Uh, the first book is called Creating Your Heaven on Earth. And at the time I was writing it, I was actually not in a very good relationship uh-huh. with another person. And I think it was just my way of getting out of it. Mm-hmm. So I wrote that book straight from my heart. Oh, yeah. And um, it really pulled me forward into my journey. And that relationship ended shortly after I knew I was going to get the book published. And I started this whole new life after that happened and really starting to discover who I was. Right. And especially spiritually. And that takes a lot of courage. It was, it was not easy. It yeah. was quite painful to look at myself in that way, especially coming out of a bad relationship and realizing I attracted that. And how do I move beyond that? And right. how do I now go on with my life and attract something different. You touched on something. I think I've heard the, the phrase, you get what you give. Absolutely. And we don't realize it a lot of times that we're just sending out this like huge negative amount of energy. And yeah. we wonder why, why is my life awful? Exactly. And, yeah. and that's the whole point of what we're talking about today yeah. with the, with the t-shirt company and what Which I'm I am, doing and all that you stuff. You gave me one, by the way. Yeah. I like it. it says people are good. Yes. And it's like a very nice, soft, wonderful shirt. We want it to be soft and wonderful. I know. I'm holding it up to the microphone right now. If anybody would like to take a good <laughs> look of it, I hate that. But I will take a picture and post it on my social media. Cool. Because awesome. I think it's really cool. Thank you. Um, I love that book, though. And um, you're a Living Now Book Award recipient. Number one, that's pretty darn cool that you won that. Was That that was off of that book? That was off of that book. Oh, that's pretty good right out of the gate to right start winning awards. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, you know, 25 when I wrote that book. and. I literally just did that from my heart. I I had a a good feeling it was going to get published, and it ended up getting published by a small press, an independent press. But um, it was a really good first experience coming out of the gate. It was a great publisher. We we worked well together. The editors and I worked well together. That's huge. It was a huge gift. Yeah. So it really propelled me forward into believing that I could make a career for myself. Yeah, definitely on that. And then and one thing I've discovered, and I've come out with a couple books, that when you're out speaking, that that sells books. Absolutely. So is that how you became a speaker? 
Was you, it we kind of like, hey, you know what? I, I need to get out there and get my message out there, but also I could sell a couple books too. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. it's kind of crass sounding, yeah. but it's very true. It is very true. And how yeah. can, how can people get to know you if they're right. not face to face with you? Exactly. So, it's the old yeah. Mississippi axiom. If people don't know you, they don't pay attention to you. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> it's very true. It's funny it how Missis- Mississippi applies to the whole world. It really does. It really does. It's all about relationships. So had you ever done much speaking before you got up and started doing that? I had always liked to be speaking, even though I was very introverted. And I am yeah. still very introverted. But I've noticed you're very shy. Very shy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've kind of come around over the years. And right. it's gotten a little bit easier. Uh, I'm still nervous coming in here today, even. Um, well, that's our goal. Yeah. yeah. Make you just scared to death. You know how to reach your goals. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad Michelle's not paying any attention. Um, but yeah, it it definitely forced me to put myself out there more. Yeah. Because I knew I was going to have to be my own PR person, you know. That's so, the hard part. Yeah. And it yeah. is the hard part and it's the scary Selling part. Selling yourself. Selling yourself is Having tough. the self-confidence to say, okay, I'm good. And then being able to handle when somebody says no. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You, you face a lot of rejection, which, you know, helps you along the way. It, you know, you had mentioned, I'd mentioned a little bit earlier that you being rejected early on, that's kind of what was driving this bus at this point. You were, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, talk about that. I mean, just talk about the pain that it felt people looking at you like you were not a good person. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened was yeah. I was touted as this wonderful athlete, this wonderful student, this wonderful person who does a lot of community service. And then towards the end of my uh, graduate school tenure, that's when I told my family and the community found out that I was gay. Yeah. And so it was this whole year of basically self-torture, of mm. of feeling very alone in the world. Right. And not feeling like anybody understood and no one was really looking at who I was as a person. They were looking at this label that was now slapped on me and, right. and not even understanding what that label meant. So it was this long journey of really trying to figure out, okay, who am I beyond that? Right. And how can I be okay with that? And so that's a lot of the reason why I left Mississippi. I needed to find that. Right. I needed to get out. I needed to get out from under the pressure I was in being in a community that I didn't feel welcome in anymore. So so I left for, I guess that was six six or seven years and decided to come back in 2010 to get back to your earlier question because I knew there was a part of me I needed to heal. Yeah. And I knew if I didn't face it head on that there was just no way – that I was going to have the confidence that I needed to move forward. And I remember shortly after my book was published, I did this event and I was on stage with Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. No, Don Miguel Ruiz, I'm sorry, and his son as well. And we were sharing the stage. There were four speakers. It was this entire event. And I remember being up there talking, but not talking authentically, not being willing to go there about who I was. And I knew after that that I had to go home. I was so ashamed of who I was. And so it took that ultimate experience of being on stage with one of my heroes to show me that, you know, I've got to figure some stuff out. And so when I told Claire, I was like, Claire, we have to go. She was like, all right, let's do it. I know you have to do this. And so she was courageous as well. And and we came back in 2010 and it's just been a whirlwind, an absolute whirlwind. But she's wonderfully supportive too on the same time. Because that's a really big part of this, this journey is having somebody there that's got your back. Absolutely. Yeah. It is the biggest part of this journey. Yeah. And you know, the way you just laid that out. And of course, 
you know, what you're talking about goes even beyond somebody just saying, well, I'm gay and I'm not accepted because it could be anything. It could be somebody thinking they're ugly, somebody thinking they're overweight. They could be, I mean, there could be a thousand different reasons. That's why your, your message is so universal. But if you didn't face that head on and fill that hole that was in your soul, mm-hmm. you would have been self-medicating in some way. Yeah, in some yeah. way. And I didn't want to do that. I that, don't blame you. And I, I've never done that. Yeah. And I knew that I had the, the strength to get through it. So. Yeah. And we're going to continue on this conversation because this is fantastic. We're going to take a quick break. We're talking with Megan Onan, and we're going to talk about what's next for her. And if you have any questions or comments for today's question of the day, which is very simply this, do you believe that people are good? I do for the most part. You know, there's a few people I could do without, but we're not going to talk about that today. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. All right, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. You know what? Sometimes I wish you could hear the conversations off the air that we have, too. They're fantastic. Our guest today is Megan Onan. I tell you what. She has created a really great way to help people. Her first book was living, was creating heaven on earth. And of course, you know, Nan, welcome back. You know, you talk about creating a culture of forgiveness in the workplace. Um, sometimes that can be uh, easier said than done. No doubt. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause you bring like a million different people of a million different backgrounds into one location and they got to play well together. Talk about opportunity. Yeah. Forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. Well, and forgiveness is such a scary word anyway. It is. Think about it. I mean, what do you think of when you hear the word forgiveness? Well, I've kind of had a weird journey the last couple of years. So my whole idea of forgiveness used to be forgiveness would be like, well, you know, you hurt me. Well, I'm just going to let it go. You know, I'm for, you know, but now it's like, I'm going to let it go so that it doesn't eat me alive. Right. It means I don't forget per se. Right. But, you know, that's, that's the, it's the whole thing about, you know, pouring acid, you know, yeah. to hurt someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just create more. Not taking acid, thing. pouring acid down the throat. So. <laughs> so, yeah, but you do. And, it, and it, you know, if you're angry at somebody and you hold that grudge, it literally, you will have physical problems. You will have mental problems. It will eat you alive. Yeah. And, and that could have happened to you. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. There's no doubt. I've, I've cried a lot of tears. I mean, um, that's the whole thing about forgiveness. It's really about self-reflection. Right. It's really about going inward and seeing what those stumbling blocks are for you right? and doing what you can um, to take responsibility for your part and forgiving those who have hurt you also. Right. So it's, it's this two way process. And I think people forget that it's all about other people, but it's also about you not um, just self love in, in general. Right. And in, in finding confidence in who you are so that when you go out into the world, and you go with that confidence that you don't 
necessarily feel attacked by every person right. because you believe in who you are. Yeah, that that's a great point. I heard a phrase over the weekend that hurt people hurt people. That's so true. It is so true. And we're not taught when we grow up necessarily. Yeah. I'm, some of, I'm sure some of us are taught this, how to deal with hurt. But we're not taught how to deal with that hurt and how to use it effectively and how to use it to, to be a stronger person yeah. and to be a better person. And if you have, the opposite. Yeah, if, you have no, if you have no self-esteem and somebody does say something to you, you instantly go on the defensive and attack, like you said earlier. Yeah, most people react. Yeah. I mean, that's that's survival. That's what we're taught. Yeah. If someone punches you, punch them back. Right. And you're in fight or flight all the time. All the time. And it's exhausting. It is. It's so exhausting. And I, and I think that's what we see is happening in our world right now, and especially in the United States, is I think everyone's just really tired. We're really tired. It's been, you know, and I've tried to pin it when it happened. I think 2008 was was because a lot of people lost so much when the economy went down. But it seems like, yeah. and that's about the time of the growth of social media, too. Yep. So it's like the two that's things. Point. Yeah, the two things kind of went together. And it's mm-hmm. like. And, and I love social media. You do too, because it's really good for your business, yeah. and it's good for what I do also. Yeah. But there's a lot of times I'll see, I'll just get really nasty comments, and I'm just like, oh, I hope your children don't marry my children. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you can't take that personally. No, you can't, and and you have to be careful where you're putting your attention. We talked about this before the show yeah. started. Is you know, if if you want to get into an argument, you can. But where is that going to take you? What right. kind of energy do you want to put into the world? Oh, I know some people that get on like Facebook and they just just argue with people all day long. And like, what have you done at the end of the day? Right. Exactly. You haven't so, created cool T-shirts. <laughs> so it's a question everyone needs to sit with: is who do they want to be in the world? Yeah. You know, who do you want to be to the people around you? What do you want to show your children? What do you want to show the people around you? How do you make that journey, though? That's a hard journey. How do you go from feeling, you know, like you're broken to to healing? It's baby steps, and I think everybody wants a quick fix, and it's just not that way. You know, it's it's one step at a time. When when we moved back to Mississippi, I saw that very quickly. I thought, I'm going to go down there, face this head on, yeah. and I'm going to be fine. No, it wasn't that simple. Yeah. It was hard. You know, I had to go into a community that rejected me and find a way to love myself. Right. That was super hard. And it's it's even difficult to think about how hard it was. How did you do it? I, just a little at a time, well, I did a lot of... Um, taking care of myself, yeah. like meditating, exercising, doing those just everyday things that, that help you stay balanced. Mm-hmm. Right. But it was also facing people and having tough conversations yeah. and going into those public places and being okay over and over and over. When people are staring over. at you and realizing it's not me. Yeah. With people I'm terrified of. Right. And, and facing it. And so as time went on and I was able to have positive interactions and able to have better conversations and was able to put myself out there more, it's just a little at a time I, I realized, you know what? I'm okay. I am enough. Yeah. And But it took me. No one was going to come to me and heal me. I had to do the work. Right. And, and so and it's still a journey. It's, it's still sometimes hard for me. And, but I've embraced that. That's a part of life. We all have wounds. We all have stories. We all have something that has, or someone who has hurt us deeply. And those are just going to pop up. Right. That's natural. So I, I think it's, it's about finding a way to deal with them the best way you can. And for me, it's been about facing it. And it's been about crying my tears. And it's been about being okay with who I am and having tough conversations and, and facing my fears. So it's been all these little things that have helped me on my journey to get to where I am now. I mean, if you're not okay with yourself, then what's the other option? 
you know. Tell me. Yeah. I don't know. There is no good option. I'm there's just, not. You know, so, yeah. and, and it's, you know, there's so many people that can't figure out how to cope through that. So, I mean, I, that's why I say it's so important for you to tell the story because there's somebody out there listening right now going, nodding their head going, I feel just like she did. Yeah. And I think we all do. Yeah. We all have that point in our lives where we we step back and say, you know, who am I behind all these stories that I've told myself my whole life? That's the thing. Because your brain can be the biggest liar ever. It is the biggest liar. Because it's ever. creating the whole world that you live in, yeah. your, your perception of it. And if you start believing that. Playing those yourself, tapes. Yeah, playing those tapes. Never over. ends. Right. Because then everything you see outside of yourself is going to, it's just going to replay it for you. Because that's what you're seeing. That's your perception. Right. I uh, I heard Deepak Chopra talk once. at a, He was speaking. And the big question he asked when he was on stage, which I was really impressed by, was he had you close your eyes and hear your thoughts. And he, while you're listening to your thoughts, he says, who is listening to those thoughts? Right. And, and that's what we're talking. That's the essence of who we are is beyond those thoughts, beyond uh, what we think we see. So, you know, that's, that's the essence of everything that I do. So, I mean, th- think about it. So, so you're, so you're playing that tape in your head that I'm ugly, I'm overweight, nobody likes me, I'm stupid. And then somebody comes up to you and makes a comment that may be innocent. Right. And that's, and you just jump on that. Yep. You don't hear the 10 other comments that are positive. Right. Because that is the worldview you've got. Exactly. Yeah. So powerful. Your mind is so powerful. Wow. That's incredible. You talk about forgiveness in the workplace and you speak on pulling perfect out of the imperfect. And I mean, talk about that because I'm, I'm fascinated that because I mean, I've worked with huge, like, all kinds of personalities in the past. And sometimes it's tough to get along with people. Right. So how do you do that? You have to, you have to stand in your truth. You have to be who you are and the rest just kind of falls into place. It's really simple. I know it's, it's not an easy task by any means. It is a hard task. Right. I'm not going to sit here and lie and tell people differently. For me, it's been tough and it may be easier for some people, Right. but I think standing in your truth and just being who you are is what makes things feel like they're working around you and then you just care less about what anybody thinks about you you you're just seeing the person for who they are and you're not attached to who you think they are right so you know it's it really is a matter of standing in your own truth and being confident in yourself you know one of the things that i think impresses me about your story and about what you've done i think a lot of people get addicted to self-help books and i think there's a lot of good in self-help books but um, there's a book called The Load, Road Less Traveled. I'm having a moment on who wrote it. But the, the premise of the book basically is it, it involves work. Yeah. That that's the road less traveled. It's on the first page, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's something like that. This yeah. is not going to be an easy journey. It's not going to be an easy journey. Yeah. It's all about the work. Yeah. So that's huge. You're the co-founder and the COO of Thrive Health, Inc. Tell us a little bit about So you went from, okay, I'm going to do education. I'm going to do that. Now you know you're a business owner. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, we opened the business, uh, Claire and I opened a business in 2012 in Columbus, Mississippi. Uh-huh. Um, and she's an acupuncturist. Okay. And I had gone through life coach training, so I was doing that as well. Excellent. So I was speaking, life coaching, and writing. And so our business started there in a 300-square-foot space for $300 a month in Columbus, Mississippi. And we recently moved the business to Startful about a year ago. And now we have a 3,000-square-foot facility. We have 3, uh, two counselors, a massage mm-hmm. therapist. We have an office manager. I do coaching. And then the rest is basically acupuncture. We have herbs and supplements. So we have this really cool 
awesome business that we get to go to. You got sick day. of driving eighty two every day, huh? Well, we li- we actually moved to Columbus. Oh, too. did you? Okay. Yeah. Um, I think originally we moved back to Startville. Yeah. And I think it was just too soon for me. It was too tough. So it was better to be at a distance and kind of grow into coming back to Starkville. Right. So you, you were close enough for a drive. You could mm-hmm. see the family, but you That's know, right. that worked out pretty well. Yeah. You're your life coach. Yes. Yeah. To, to what's what's the process of life coaching? I mean, how do you – so say you from your, you look at my life, you're trying to figure out everything I'm doing, and then you kind of help me come up with a plan. Yeah. It's really an Because account- it's hard. It's hard to come up with your own plan. Heck yeah. 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 It's, you need someone to, to bounce things off of. And, and that's yeah. what the beauty of coaching is. It's like you're you – know, I'm like your cheerleader. I'm like I'm helping you see your truth. Yeah. I'm helping you see the path in front of you and identify it. So helping you take the, the necessary steps to get to where you want to go. That counseling degree is paying off then, huh? Yeah, it that helps. Help. I don't do a ton of coaching because I'm doing so many mm-hmm. other things. But yeah. yeah, every once in a while I like to get my hands dirty. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Tell me about the, the T-shirt part of your – So this is a completely different company. It's called okay. Hu- Huvenity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Huvenity. I love that, that name too. Yeah, it's a uh, cross between human and divine. Yeah. And I made it up, and it really was a response to what's going on socially yeah. mm-hmm. and wanting to help bring people together. How are we going to get past all this anger we're feeling right now? I mean, there's <laughs> a lot of questions. There's a lot of good people right now that honestly just kind of looking at it, and they're, they're, they've kind of withdrawn. They're like, well, I'm giving up Facebook or I'm giving up whatever. Yeah. Do they need to get reengaged? I think we all need to get reengaged. I think we yeah. all need to get re-inspired and spend some time with ourselves. And really get to know who we are again. Yeah. Um, but this was, Humanity was created to give people that opportunity and to give people hope and a chance for interaction. So so the basic premise is that when you buy one of our products, we give you a T-shirt yeah. for free mm-hmm. with your purchase that you give to someone you don't know. Wow. So. Just the random act of kindness. Just a random act of kindness. And the T-shirt comes all bundled up with... Um, a label that tells you about the project and what it is. So if you don't have a lot to say or you're a little too scared, uh, it gives people the tools necessary to, to have that interaction. Why don't we continue this conversation? How's that sound? Sounds good. You're going to hang on for a few more minutes? I can. That's good. That's a good thing. We want to, of course, Megan O'Nan is with us right now. We're talking about generally, are people good? And that's our question of the day. If you want to give us a call, we would love to hear from you. Of course, that number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Great conversation today. Of course, if you want to give us a call, we'd love to hear from you. It's 877 877- well, no, we're not going to do that number, 877-672-7464. You would think I would be able to remember that, but then again, I don't remember my own, my own home phone numbers most days. Megan O'Nan, Megan O'Nan is with us, and we're talking, she's the founder of Huvenity. 
um, doing some amazing work. And I love the whole premise that you, you buy something from y'all and you get a shirt and you turn around and give it to a total stranger. Yep. The old random act of kindness. Like when you're in the drive through and you pay for the person behind you's lunch. Exactly. Yeah. Except it actually creates an interaction. Right. You know. Yeah, exactly. You, you know who's giving it to you. And, right. and No, I chase the people down. I'm like, <laughs> what do you think you're doing here? Don't be nice Don't to me. Don't be nice to me. <laughs> Darn it. No, that, that, that's incredible. And how long have you been doing this now? Well, um, I started selling the T-shirts about a year ago. And yeah. it just developed into this whole needing to respond to what's going on in the world right. thing. Right. So over time, it just developed, and, and I actually went out to Colorado in April to give myself a writing retreat, and I have a lot of colleagues and friends out there, too. And uh, I was sitting down to dinner with a friend of mine, a colleague, and the main thing we were asking ourselves is, how do we develop trust between people again? Yeah. And so we spent, we had this two- or three-hour conversation trying to answer that question, like, I don't, you know, racking our brains. So I spent the next few days, instead of writing, just thinking, mm-hmm. what can I do? How can I help? Let me look at my life. What helped me? And it was interaction with, with strangers that actually scared me, that, that healed me. And so I was like, well, how can I create that from that, that place? I mean, that's what helped me. How can I help other people have that same experience? And the T-shirts were doing well. And I was like, well, let's just take these T-shirts to another level. And we created the uh, People Are Good slogan because I believe that's the basis of what we need right now. We need to be putting that kind of energy out into the world. Right. And I think it's something that people really want to hear instead of people are bad, people are bad. There's so many bad people. There's so many bad things happening. It's like we're inundated with that kind of information right now. And we're all reacting from that space. So how can we shift the energy? How can we create something that gives people the opportunity to see things differently? And so it's all been born out of that conversation with my friend. And um, it's just really caught on with people. They, they love the concept. Some people are a little scared about, you know, giving it to someone. But I just say, hey, look, look for someone who it's is the do- size of the T-shirt for the size of the T-shirt, <laughs> right. number one, and look for someone who's doing good right? or doing something kind and just recognize them for that. You know, look for good in the world instead of looking for bad in the world. Right. And so it creates an opportunity on multiple levels to, to go out and, and help shift the energy that we're currently experiencing. One of the things I get to do is I get to judge, I get to MC the, the give awards here in the state of Mississippi. Oh, cool. And so you get to see like, you know, eight or nine people that have, they're doing things just like this that are going out there and trying to find the good in the world and are helping grow that a little bit. And, you know, we live in a time now, and, and I'm not going to pick on any one politician because a lot of people do this, and it's not even just politicians. But generally, I've always I've figured this one truth out. If somebody's trying to make me scared, they want something from me. Hmm. So it's like if you're trying to make me afraid, you're trying to – you want something out of me. And so when somebody's trying to be nice to me, that doesn't – well, sometimes I get a little suspicious of that too. So I, have to, <laughs> I have to admit I'm a cynic. But – um. Just imagine, you know, because we can't change the world, but we can change the area right around us. Exactly. And if everybody did that, then the world would change. Yeah, I agree. And, and if you look broadly yeah. at every conservative person or every liberal person or every religious person or, you know, every label you can think of, then you have this idea of what who you think they are, right? Right. And if you're looking so far outside yourself to this group of people that you don't necessarily associate with, you don't really know anyone who's in that group of people, you become completely disconnected as a human being. Right. And and it's so easy to get caught up in pointing the finger and blaming those people for the problems that are happening around you or in the world or whatever. 
and then it becomes so impersonal and, and you're not taking that time to, to be in touch with who you are and the relationships that are around you. Exactly. And if I didn't like upbeat and positive people, for instance, Michelle and I never would be friends. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. I always give her a hard time because she's actually in a good mood most of the time. And she thinks I'm a grump. So there you go. But you're right. Um, you said you're writing. You went to a writing retreat. Are you working on another book? I ended up not writing a thing. Okay. You know how that goes. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. No, that's how creativity works. No, th- this this uh, company was bred out of that time. Uh, I wrote a second book. It was mm-hmm. published in 2014. It's called Courage. And the subtitle was Agreeing to Disagree is Not Enough. And it's all about the same concept here is going beyond our labels right. to see people for who they are. That is huge. I mean, you, I was kind of making the joke a little bit about the labels thing, but you, you miss out on a lot of good friendships. You really do. Especially, I mean, especially now. Yeah. People are so quick. Like, you voted for Trump. I don't like you. Right. Period. End of story. Oh, my sister voted for Trump. She likes Trump. You know, and I mean, I draw cartoons about him, but we still love each other. So, you know, that's how that works. That's exactly how it works. I mean, there's there is a continuum here, (laughs) you know, like uh, if you're not having real conversations, like what are you afraid of? What do you what do you feel judged for? What do you love? What do you want in your life? You know, let's talk about those things and let's talk less about politics and less about our opinions about how the world should work and less about religion. Let's just get down to the nitty gritty real conversations about being a human being. I've got I've got a friend who was um, targeted by a shooter in Jackson uh, who locked himself up into an old po folks and was shooting people with an AK-47 and he got her. Wow. And shot her. Um, she survived. She's a reporter for us. One of the finest people in the world. She and I have nothing in common except one thing. I had cancer and I have a scar and she's got a scar on her back from a bullet. Wow. And so we started talking about our scars one day and then we started figuring out we had a lot in common. Wow. And so we're very good friends now. That's amazing. So so like you said, but you got to find that one thing. Right. To figure, to get the end on that. And you have to be willing. Willing. And that's... The thing that I think is missing is people just aren't willing to go there anymore. Right. Why? Why? Well, I mean, do you think they're afraid or what's... Fear. Fear. Yeah. It's just fear. Yeah. That's all it is. That's all that stands in our way. Why? Because they see change happening. and Is that why they're afraid? I'm just trying to get... I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out. Honestly, my, my honest opinion is that... Yeah, it's fear of the unknown. It's a, yeah. it's fear of what might or may not happen based on your past and your history and the wounds that you have. Right. So, yeah, that's the, that's the stumbling block is is being afraid. And I, I think for every time I faced a fear or talked to a person that I was scared to talk to and ended up having a good experience. I mean, most of my experience have been very positive going into um, knowing that I was afraid of having that conversation. I think if you just give people the opportunity and you show up with your best self that – I think most people respond with their best self as right. well. That's one thing I love about this show because I get to meet all kinds of different people and talk to them. And I was like, wow, this is cool. I'll keep up with you forever because this is great. What's next for you? I'm going to just keep working on Huvenity. And yeah. I really believe in this company. I believe in what it's doing. And it's giving people a chance to feel like they're doing something in the social climate we're finding ourselves in. Yeah. And I'm just really inspired to watch it. I, I feel like... Now that I've put it out there, it's just doing its own thing, and I get to just be a part of it. It feels much bigger than me, and uh, I feel like it's my job just to to believe in it. Isn't that the greatest way to heal, though, is figuring out there's something bigger than you out there? Yeah, absolutely. Megan, how can folks find you real quick? 
uh, MeganOnan.com or Huvinity.com. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today, and thank you for the shirt, too. That's awesome. Very good. Uh, Of course, Now You're Talking is a production of MPB Think Radio. The show is produced by the amazing Michelle McAdoo. And if you missed part of it or want to listen to it again, you can go to mpbonline.org. Now You're Talking. Join us next time for Now You're Talking. And coming up next is Southern Remedy. We will see you all next Monday.